Welcome back to NALFA's Affordable Housing Podcast. My name is Allison Ward, NALFA's Membership and Operations Associate. In today's episode, I am joined by Lewis Wayan from Allegheny County Economic Development and Greg Kander from the Oringer Arts to talk about their recent NALFA Award of Home Excellence for their project Oringer Building. Thank you guys so much for joining me today and congratulations again on this well-deserved award. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking an interest in the project and uh, speaking with us today. Yeah, thank you very much, Allison. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. So to start us off, can you kind of lay the groundwork for our listeners and share with us the inspiration behind the project and kind of what motivated its creation? Yes, I'm going to try to make a long story as short as I can, but uh, uh, my wife had passed away in 2012, and it's, so I, I've sort of been in a second chapter of my life where I uh, am engaged uh, in an interracial relationship. And so for over the past six years, I, I've been able to see the world through her eyes. And it's really, that's what brought me into the Braddock community to get involved in sort of helping get jobs and to help the community grow and, and to do it in a way uh, without gentrification and caring about the community first and making sure as we grow that the community participates in the growth. So this project was something that I, Similarly, wanted to make sure that you know if this project was 95% white, I failed. 95% black, I failed. But if I got a good mixture of people in this building, uh, able to learn from each other the way I was able to to learn from my fiance, then I knew it would be a success. So, so that was the goal and what inspired me to do the project, to get people living together. Uh, that's the that's the best way to break down barriers. Absolutely. I think that really sets a nice groundwork for our conversation today. So were there any key partnerships developed throughout the course of the project? And if so, can you tell us a little bit about those relationships? Yeah, so exactly what I was talking about and the way to get these key partnerships, I didn't want to do anything in Braddock without the buy-in of the community and both the buy-in of Allegheny County, but more importantly, even Braddock Council and the community members themselves. So really didn't want to take one step without, is this something the, the community would approve of? And a, a quick example, I, in, in the beginning, um, I wanted to hang a big banner called, uh, you know, Black Artists Matter. And again, not knowing the sensitivities, I just wanted to check with Braddock Council, like, hey, is this okay to put on the building before we go forward and do something like that? So uh, every single person on the council and then there's the Braddock Library and there's just, I view us all the entire street as spokes on the wheel um, and each one is so important to each other. And uh, we recently even had a meet your neighbor event where it's, you know, in order to get the collaborations, which I'm sure we'll talk about it, is to get every single person on the street knowing who's there, what they can bring and how they can collaborate together. So, so the partnerships have been formed really with every business up and down Braddock Avenue. Wow, it really sounds like a, a team effort and just a, a great community building of opportunity there. So it's really great to hear. Yeah, Allison, I think I would just say that, um, you know, that community is very tight knit um, and, you know, obviously not the largest community um, in Allegheny County, um, but there is a lot of, um, you know, 
stake for the folks that live there. And I think Greg, um, you know, and, and that's what we always look for um, as well um, when we commit funding to these projects is, you know, is there equitable development going on? You know, does the developer have plan to incorporate community feedback and, um, you know, elements of that into the decision-making process? And, um, you know, we were happy to see that Greg um, and his team really put in a lot of thought and consideration into, um, you know, the opinions and the, the wants of the, the community at large there. Well, that's really great to hear. I'm really glad we can highlight that awesome community relationship you guys have built. So were there any challenges faced during the creation of the project? And if so, what, what insight can you share with our listeners for, you know, best practices or lessons learned from these hurdles? So this was my first rodeo of really doing a project this large. And, um, you know, the, the best sort of lesson learned is making sure you surround yourself with good people. Uh, to help you avoid these obstacles and help you get through these obstacles because each step of the way, you know, does have its challenges first in raising the money and getting the commitments and getting a a bank involved for for doing a project that's on the outskirts, that's in Braddock. And, you know, it's an unknown whether, you know, will people come out there, you know, or will they not? And so uh, it's the unknown. It's having that vision and and hope that other people will, will see the vision um, so from the financing to then the construction round is, you know, its own obstacles every step of the way. And so there's this, you know, thing called COVID that obviously got in the way of, of construction. And, uh, we fortunately were able to, you know, plow through. And although we were stopped for between three to six months in construction, uh, we were able to deliver a building that actually exceeded anybody's expectations. Um, but again, if you surround yourself with great art architects and Rothschild Joino, just what I learned was in a, in a painting project, they always say that 99% of a good paint project is preparation. Uh, I've also learned that 99% of a great building is the architecture and wh- what the design of those units are, where you come. So Having that great design that Rothschild Doino came up with his double loaded corridors and long units was really key to the success. Uh, having a great contractor, Soda Construction, was just unbelievable. And just, it, it's really nice to end a project and feel like, hey, I want to work with these guys again. So, you know, so uh, again, working through the toughest times and the obstacles of COVID and the stresses and to come out of it with a project that everybody's proud of. Um, yeah, we couldn't be happier. Well, it really sounds like you succeeded against against all odds. So you mentioned a lot about community and how the community came together to make this project a success. So what have you seen um, as the impact on your community since the creation of the Orange Building? I'm really glad you asked that because this is something that I noticed and I pretty much gave on, I gave the tour of every single prospective applicant to the building uh, of what's going on and what we're accomplishing here. And I used the metaphor of, you know, if you have a broken storefront um, and you do nothing to fix the window in a broken storefront, well, then the next storefront is gonna be broken and the next one's gonna be broken. But when you do what our team was able to do is, you know, bring back this beautiful building and 
put forward a beautiful sign, you see remarkable things come from it. And, you know, Abos, our neighbor, which is a successful optician, totally redid his facade. Uh, Golden Treasures across the street, which never had a sign up, uh, now put a sign up and cleaned up the front of their building and painted, you know, painted also. Uh, Shana, four doors down, opened up a hair salon. Uh, but the most exciting thing that happened is our drywall contractor, which is Wilco, so a minority-owned business, uh, kept dying this building that was right behind our building. And he has purchased the building, and he is making it into a trade school. And again, because they're so good at what they do, they're going to totally rehabilitate, revamp, and renovate this building where it's going to be open in October you know, a record time in like three, four months, they are renovating this entire building. And then to have a trade school in an area where it's going to, where it's going to teach kids uh, within an accelerated course between 12 and 15 weeks of how to get a job in the union and carpentry and hot, good paying job. It's like a dream. I, I couldn't have put it on the paper any better than, uh, and we had no idea what would come from it. We would hope things like this would come from it. Uh, the building, another building 100 yards from us, went under a sales agreement and they're looking to open up a coffee shop. And so one thing leads to another and leads to another. And each thing there is going to have its own spokes and its own momentum. So, uh, yeah, we see how one thing leads to another and uh, couldn't be happier with what we're seeing. Yeah. And Allison, I think I would just kind of piggyback off of that and say that, you know, there very much is a ripple effect uh, going on in that borough uh, when it comes to interest in business development and um, you know housing development as well. And obviously, we you know have our eyes on it um, mainly because of you know the commitments and funding that we um, look at uh, to these various projects. And, and Greg's very much correct in when he describes that ripple effect going on um, throughout the main business district, as well as some of the other areas, um, you know, the more residential areas as well. So it is very cool to see, um, you know, how, you know, a few key developments in certain areas of, um, of that, of that borough can, you know, spark um, additional and continued interest in, you know, revitalizing that community, um, you know, and seeing it grow. So, yeah, it's, I would very much, you know, agree with Greg in terms of, you know, seeing that, um, that ripple effect going on. <clears throat> Yeah, so that that really um, kind of segues into my next question really nicely. So what is your vision for the future of this project, whether it be the building itself or the community or kind of the domino effect that you're describing? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that also, because we're working on that right now. So, you know, we got these 37 talented artists out to the building. So we're 100% occupied. We have a waiting list right now. But they're out there and they want to do some great things. We want to have community movie nights. Um, you know, we want to have rooftop yoga. We, we, we want to have a skate park out there. We, we, we want to get things done and we want to collaborate with the rest of the avenue. And a lot of these things that we are looking to do involve money. You know, we'd love to build a stage so that we can have concerts out there. And so we're looking to form a nonprofit. Uh, to get some foundations behind us and to give these artists sort of a rowing oar because here you've got the people that are willing to do it, but it takes time, effort, money to build a stage and to think things through and to properly market and brand what you're doing out there. 
So uh, we're looking at a, an organ, we're calling our organization Making a Difference, you know, MAD and Braddock. And, uh, you know, just in the formation stage now, but I, I think that's the type of thing that could take Braddock to the next level uh, by, by giving them the wings to, to go forward. Well, I'm I'm excited to see to see where this goes. It's it's a very unique project, and we're just very thankful um, for your insight and and your expertise here. So, with that, I'll kind of close with my last question. Um, can you share any final advice or insights with our audience who might be looking to start an affordable housing project like yours? I would say especially if you feel you can make an impact on a community, an impact on lives, provide affordable housing, either where there is none or, or not enough, or even what we did is really turn affordable housing on its head. We put affordable housing in an area that uh, was a depressed area. So we weren't relocating artists into a, a, a great area. We were letting artists um, make a change in a community that needed uh, change. And so, uh, you know, that initial step forward is really the most difficult thing to, to take and sort of when in doubt, you, you can always come up with excuses why not to do something. And if you just push yourself to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And um, this is only one life and one time. And, you know, and I, I view this as the things that I've accomplished in my life. This is, this is my tombstone, pretty much. So this is my, so my advice is go for it because you can make an impact, you can make a change. And affordable housing is really a great instrument for change in different communities and for people's lives. Yeah, that is awesome. An excellent insight. Thank you so much, Greg. And, and thank you as well, Lewis. I really appreciate both of your perspectives on this. It's really great to see the, the awesome partnerships. So um, I appreciate you joining us. I know our audience will be very eager to learn from you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, Allison. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for listening to the Now for Affordable Housing podcast. Be sure to join us next time for more insightful affordable housing discussions.